pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 36 of the Giraffe Rugby Podcast, where we discuss, or where we primarily discuss, fantasy super rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Check us out at draftrugby.com and uh, get after us at our, on our handle at draftrugby. Give us a follow, a, a like. Check out our YouTube channel. We're slowly building that up with some videos. Harry's putting a lot of time in. Um, I am your host, Kagi, and I'm joined by the aforementioned Harry and Nelson to bring you a completely unbiased preview to the Wallabies winning Bledisloe 2 in Eden Park and breaking the Huru. Uh, gents, how are we this evening? And um, who forgot we were podcasting tonight? I'm very good, and I did not forget. Well, oh, look, our, our mother asked us to oh, uh, try and... ask me a life story. It always uses the mum. So I said yes, but Harry, Harry wouldn't do it. So. All right, very good. No, but anyway, how are we? Are we excited? Are we still on our high we were two days ago? This is the second okay. podcast in a week. I am. There's just one thing that's dampened that, and that is uh, Hannigan. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he has definitely put a bit of a dampener on uh, my hey. message. It's Ned Han all over again, uh, or is that? That's Paul. Yeah, one's a bit of a stretch, actually. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, I'm I'm a bit daunted by the Eden Eden Park prospect. It was in the back of my head when we uh, when we drew the game last week, but uh, it's definitely moved right to the forefront. And it's been a long time since we've done well there, so I'm very nervous now. Yes, yeah. I think there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of great bants back and forth uh, in the Twitter sphere and um, in the press, and uh, so there's been a lot of commentators i guess from outside of australia and new zealand saying uh perhaps us aussies should pipe down uh because what tends to happen i think we always talked about it with the crusaders in super season is that after a loss the all blacks and the crusaders uh tend to come back and hammer the uh the next team so we will see um but uh look i think we're allowed to ride high until we're proven otherwise so um we'll take it all right getting into it uh harry you mentioned that um that record uh the record in at Eden Park for those who uh, everyone knows roughly about it, but essentially they are unbeaten in any test uh, at Eden Park in 43 matches uh, over 16 years. And uh, in fact, you have to go back even further if you want to get the last time the Wallabies beat the All Blacks in Eden Park. You have to go all the way back to 1986, uh, which I believe was before any of us were born. Mm. Yep. So, you know, um, I probably shouldn't have said that because then we could have said, oh, well, Nelson would say, oh, yeah, you know, back when I saw the Wallabies beat, um, beat the All Blacks at Eden Park, and you'd be like, well, you went alive, mate. But um, anyway, no, that's, that's a pretty big record as far as they go. Um, what is it about Eden Park? How do, they, how do they grow another leg there? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's such a weird thing. Obviously, you know, the fan base, different things like that help it. Um, when I think as that, you know, aura builds up, a lot of things start to, to add on to that, you know, the mentality of the Wallabies players, uh, the mentality of the All Blacks, um, refs, different things around that. I think that all builds into it. Uh, I think you start to have it in the back of your head when you, you know, if you've lost a lot of times to the All Blacks and you're going to Eden Park and last time you went there, you lost 36 nil. I think that stuff does play a little bit in your head, no matter how much of a, a professional you are. Um, I think the interesting thing for us at the moment is not a lot of players have even played there in our team. 
So I, I think, you know, that, that hoodoo, that aura is definitely going to be there, but I think it will potentially be lessened on the Wallaby side a little bit um, in some of the younger players, but I, I don't think it'll change for the All Blacks. I think they'll be, uh, you know, just just excited to go at, at Eden Park. I reckon I reckon a kickoff it probably affects the All Blacks the the location more than it affects the Wallabies. You know, yeah. I think I think the it's probably played up to them these days. I would assume that you know this is our home of rugby and no one comes here and and beats us. And so I think they they always come out very fired up, very physical, and very dominant. And for the Wallabies' perspective, once you get down fifteen points, twenty points against the All Black, there's no coming back. So I think you know the here we go again attitude is the psychology that might come in in that situation. So. I think the biggest thing for the Wallabies this week is going to be to really play well for 80 minutes. I was going to say start well, but start well and keep playing well. Otherwise, the All Blacks are going to keep coming at them. That's it. I think an interesting point I heard on um, uh, our friend's friend podcast, The Rugby Ruckus, uh, and we've, of course, had Morgan Turanui join us on the Draft Rugby podcast before, which was great, uh, Was it was Ben Kimber talking about how... Um, I guess towards the end of the game is the first time really you've ever thought that the, whilst the Wallabies are throwing everything at it and just want to win, it's, did it start becoming more like the All Blacks uh, don't want to lose? You know, is it looking at it from two different perspectives? And so whilst every time the All Blacks play at Eden Park, they've just drawn on that strength. Do you think there'll be any <clears throat> little bit of, you'd hate to be the first team to lose at Eden Park, uh, you know, in, in 30 odd years or whatever. Yeah, It's, it's interesting. I, I do think, the pressure is almost more on the All Blacks, you know, with this hoodoo this week, when normally I don't feel it's the same. You know, they're, they're coming off last week. There's going to be some changes. There's going to be some forced injury changes, which look, may, may work in their favour. But you, you don't want to be that squad to, to stuff up. And, you know, I think that's more likely weigh on your mind early on in a match and, and, you know, maybe cause a little bit more stress than being the team that, you know, we could just be another team that loses there. You know, that, that doesn't sound as bad to be another team that loses there. You know, you, you're just a part of a long history. But to be the team that gets broken in that history when you've had a, a struggling, a struggle of a week, you know, before, and then you're probably going to be forced to make some big changes. I think that might weigh on the, the All Blacks a little bit. Um, I mean, they're, they're a class team, don't get me wrong. And I, I don't think it's going to affect them as, as much as, you know, the, the regular Joe. But I think it's got to be there in the back of their heads. I agree. Now, look, last point before I'll get Harry to take us through the uh, the weather and the uh, casualty ward um, was I think what we need to do is just start more, like younger and younger players. And my logic behind that is Harry Wilson and Liam Wright, they grew up playing in the under-18s, under-20s, and they were beating New Zealand all the time. <laughs> they haven't lost to them, I think, almost. Uh, I think in a so, Fraser McGrath, I think. No, uh, Harry Wilson as well. You know, last, uh, Lee, last Liam Wright. I don't think he. I don't think he had. Lee, the Liam Wright might be a year too ahead of yeah. that. But um, yes, but early. Can you, you imagine? Just imagine the likes of Fraser McRae and Harry Wilson. He's come out. He's like, yep, I thrashed the Kiwis in the three times I played in the under twenties. Uh, you know, World Cup and everything. So um, we need more of that winning energy. I think Harry just put Wilson. That whole team out, you reckon? They're pretty much just put it out down to twenty state. Why not? Um, but no, it was, I think who was it? Someone loved. Uh, they were interviewing Harry Wilson, and he was talking. They were talking about whether. Um, They'd love to, you know, play a trans-Tasman competition and they missing playing the Kiwis. And it was like, oh, look, well, they're supposed to be pretty good, aren't they? I mean, you know, I don't know much about it. Perhaps they're pretty good. It's a, um, but uh, anyway, we need some more of that. But look, let's get into it, Harry. Why don't you take us through the weather and the injuries? Yeah, so I think um, the weather played a huge part last week. And I think 
the wet weather definitely helped the Wallabies by slowing down some of New Zealand's quality running game. I think it'll be a little bit better this time around. Having a look at the forecast for Auckland, they say tops 18 degrees. It's obviously going to be played at 4pm over there, so it should still be pretty warm. But they're saying kind of a high chance of a little bit of rain, but not much more than that. So 1 to 10 mils as well. So it might be a bit dewy and a bit wet, but I don't think that'll be enough to slow down the All Blacks running game at all. You know, I I think we saw time and time again through Super Rugby Aotearoa that uh, that it really makes absolutely no difference to them. It has to be absolutely belting down to do anything. I think, so, I, think we need, I was going to say, I think we need the spray glue or whatever we had uh, last week. You know, the ball just seemed to stick. Oh, yeah. We were catching everything. So whatever products they were using, get them out again. Should be a, a, a much more attacking mindset at uh, New Zealand team, I think. Mm. Uh, moving through to the casualty ward. So... For Australia, it's, it's more the positives than the negatives. So you've got both Geordie Bataille and Dane Hallett-Petty. Uh, Geordie Bataille obviously coming back from that hip flexor tear and DHP from a, a groin tear as well. I think both of those were training fully at the start of the week. Um, I think probably sounds like Bataille was pretty much cleared, whereas Hallett-Petty, we didn't get quite the same confidence. Uh, we'll get to the leaked Wallabies team which we, we assume is right but can't guarantee um, in a minute. But uh, spoiler, they had Pataya on the bench and Dana Hallett-Petty was nowhere to be seen. So I guess that kind of fits with that thinking as well, that um, DHP was not quite as good as Pataya was. On the flip side of, every, of, the, of that, uh, on New Zealand side of things, the big news today was that obviously George Bridge has ruptured his pec muscle and he'll be out for six months. So big, big injury for him. That's a big reconstructive surgery. So uh, really disappointing for, for obviously a really great All Blacks winger at the moment. Um, that'll have some uh, repercussions around the back three. And I think the most obvious, uh, the most obvious thing that'll change that is what happens to Richie Moonga, Moonga, sorry, and Bodie Barrett, who they both had a bit of an injury cloud over them. Richie with his bruised shoulder from getting hit a few times and trying to tackle Dungunu and Bodie Barrett had some Achilles tightness. Now they brought Joshuana in early in the week as injury cover, but he's actually been sent back to play Mitre 10 cup. So to me, that says that they've got a lot more confidence in those two guys. So my expectation is Richie Moonga, Moonga plays 10 and Bodie Barrett plays 15. Um, and, uh, and then therefore, you know, there's, there's not really the same stress of trying to, trying to work out how to deal with the, uh, the injury from George Bridge. A couple of other quick ones as well. Sam Whitelock dealing with concussion, hasn't trained through the week. He has got seven days turnaround to get right. So if everything goes swimmingly for him, he will play, but, uh, he has to really tick every box all the way through. So that's not a guarantee, uh, and then who takes his place or well, Scott Barrett's fit again. He's been out for three months with toe surgery. So it'll be a big ask for him to come back in his first game and start. But uh, the alternative is obviously Tupo Bay. Hey, toe surgery. Don't you just bloody tape, tape them together and get on there? My toe's broken, man. I've been, I've been getting on with things. So I don't know about Scott Barrett. <laughs> his toe's probably bigger than yours, but um, still it's a, um, you know. What Nelson, you might be on mute there, champ. Oh, that's the that's the best we've ever heard from him. Really, that's A plus. Didn't know we could do that. That's <laughs> yeah. oh no, probably for the best. Um, was there any? That was all the injuries. Look, you missed one. It was just um, assistant coach for the All Blacks, uh, Plumtree. I think he has to have his tear ducts examined. Uh, he was just talking today about how the All Blacks don't cry and get on with it, whilst proceeding to cry for about the entire interview. So. Uh, 
I, I heard some rumours that he was probed very heavily by a, a reporter and, and kept getting pushed and, and questioned on it. So hopefully that is what it was, because if not, it looks a little bit salty and looks like he's a little bit nervous in his mentality. But look, I, I think if, if you've got someone pushing you and all we get to see is, you know, the specific quote and not the question being asked, it's definitely going to look bad as well. But uh, it did sound very much like a cry in the midst of saying we, we do not cry. Yeah, I won't give him that defence because he's been a, well, like, wasn't he the head coach of the Hurricanes? He's been a head coach of a super rugby team. He's dealt with all kinds of media probing and questions. It's not like him stepping oh, up to assistant all black coach means this is a, you know, the, a different type of presser. Like, I'm, I'm not saying he was tricked, but mm. I mean, you know, he might not have been the one to bring that up. He might have just answered a question. He definitely wasn't the one to bring it up. I saw the <laughs> question being asked. Definitely wasn't the one. But of course, we love the, uh, the All Blacks bringing up the, um, you know, the, master, the, the guys who created uh, the off-the-ball antics, um, bringing up the yeah. whole, so just flipping the script. Steve Hansen-esque, getting the head in the media, I like it. But um, look, Dave Rennie won't bite at that. If you, if you watched his post-match uh, press conference last week, it was fantastic. When I, whenever I asked him this stupid question, he was like, no, or yeah. yep, <laughs> just moved on. It was great. I loved yeah, it. Should All right, we, well, let's uh, get into the team changes. Nels, do you yeah. want to start us through with the, the Wallabies, mate? Um, you've been muted, so we'll give you the chance to speak a bit. Yeah, no we've, problem. Look, we've oh, got I the think league Tom... team, right? Do you want to, you want to read through the league team for us? The actual team? Yeah. Yeah, that was what I was going to do. Oh, good. Excellent. Um, so Tom Banks was asked to, you know, solidify his spot and make it hard for DHP to come back in. And it looks like he's done enough starting on the weekend. The wings, there's no changes. Dalgoon and Korobiti had awesome games. Same in the centres. Paisami and Tamua are starting in the centre pairing with O'Connor and White. So basically the whole back line is the same in terms of the starting side. And on the bench, Jake Gordon gets another crack, as does Reese Hodge. Um, but Jordan Patea takes that third bench spot. So Lolesio L- L- gets dropped from that side. His time will come soon enough, I think, um, in the rugby championship. Before you get okay. to the forwards, oh, I said, before you get to the forwards, I think um, Reese Hodge has got to be almost the perfect 23, doesn't he? You know what I mean? Just not only can he ca- can he come on in any position, uh, literally yeah. any position. Uh, I mean, that bird at the end of a game. What can you do? Yeah, what look. I think there's something special, I mean, about having a man like that on your bench. You know, you don't want to have too many players that could play too many roles. You need some specialists. But as a 23, I think it's pretty awesome to be able to have a guy that can fill almost anything from 10 to 15. Uh, I think it's, it's a pretty unique thing. And then to be able to potentially have the biggest or one of the biggest boots in international rugby uh, is pretty awesome as well. Well, he came on, on at centre as well, didn't he? He did. For for Paisami, so I, I think they did say he did say earlier in the year when he was chatting to Dave Rennie that he saw him as a centre and wanted him to play that position. So maybe that's where we're going to see more of him. Right. Okay. And yeah. Do we think? Oh. What do we think about Paisami? I mean, Paisami had a fantastic game, but what do we think about Bataya not being rushed back in? Like, I don't think it's a case of uh, is he good enough. Is it just a case of let's give him smaller minutes? Under Look, the belt. I, I'm happy with rewarding the form of. Uh, Faisami, he, he played quite well on the weekend. Uh, he's going to get less minutes, would be my assumption, potentially this week um, with, with Patea and Hodge potentially, you know, filling that, that centre void. Uh, so I do think he'll get a bit of less time. But look, I, it's good to see him get another crack. It shows that Rennie's going to reward form like he did with Banks as well. Um, it's good to also not rush Patea back in. We know he has a long history of injuries, uh, although it'd be tempting to throw him in 
I'm happy with him coming off the bench uh, for both himself and Paisami. And you do lose a bit if you take Paisami off. Like his his defense changed the game because mm. Richie Moonga was never ever uh, comfortable at first receiver because he didn't know when. Paisami was just going to fly in and knock his block off. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Paisami deserves the spot. He deserves a run. I agree that you had those two hitmen in the centres and that puts a whole lot of pressure on that attacking line. Um, obviously, in open space, not so much, but it, it did shut down a few opportunities um, where Patea, you know, we might, we might see him fill a wing spot at some point in this match. And also, it's brilliant bringing on Pattaya just to lift the game. Like, that's you want your offense at the end of the game, you know, bring him on to really step it up a notch. That's, um, that's awesome. In the hit squad. Um, moving into that back row, uh, Harry Wilson moves from number six to number eight. Michael Hooper again at seven. Ned Hannigan comes into that starting spot for number six. What did you say? It's a bit bit of a tough thing for him. I, I think he had an improved year. It is a bit frustrating. I don't think he deserves the spot. But when you look at his numbers throughout the season, you know, he had 58 tackles, three misses. So, I mean, he, he had quite a good defensive year and a good year in the lineouts. I would not be putting him there. I mean, I'd love to see Nasser Rani in there. I wouldn't mind seeing Swinton in there just to be physical in a, in a game that we're going to really need that physicality. But, look... Uh, I'm a big fan of Dave Rennie and Dave Rennie's obviously seen something in him and I'll give him this chance. But if he's mud, he's not getting a chance ever again. So. Let's be honest. He's been picked to patch a hole in the lineouts because they know they can't lose that much set piece. And to me, you pick Liam Wright. He would have fixed the ruck issue, whereas Ned Hannigan is not physical enough at the ruck and he would have offered another jumping option as well. So, to me, Liam Wright was the right call, so I really hope that uh, the the league team is wrong. Yeah, Liam Wright's come into the bench on that uh, that lineup there for us, so hopefully we see him get some significant time. Seventy nine minutes. Sorry. Hopefully he gets seventy nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'd be okay with that. Harry and I having a good chat about that before um, the pod, and yeah, I think Liam Wright is spot on. And I I was just saying to Harry, I was reminding him how tall Liam Wright actually is. So. It's interesting for um, for Wallabies fans out there to know. Liam Wright's 1.92 metres tall and Ned Hannigan is 1.94. So two centimetres uh, in terms of line outs. I mean, I don't know about reach. Well, I think uh, Liam Wright's got pretty long arms anyway. But um, he, he's actually, despite the Reds line out not being particularly effective throughout Super Rugby AU, I thought Liam Wright looked very good in the line out. So mm. Look, uh, yeah, another... I'd throw him in. Uh, another positive on that, I, I know last year, last week um, about that match, we talked about, you know, the hooker and second row pairing. That, that that was very raw and that was, you know, a bit of an issue. Whereas we've got Brendan Pangamosa coming in to start at hooker. So he's throwing at Luca and Solakai Lotto. But we could have had him throwing at Solakai Lotto, Wright, Harry Wilson, you know, having three potential jumpers there that he is throwing to regularly. Yes, I know that their lineup hasn't been necessarily amazing, but there is a bit of a communication there which would be a bit more solid than him throwing. You know, I don't think he ever... He, he, I don't know if he ever has thrown to... Um, uh, Hannigan, to be to be brutally honest, because Hannigan's been missing from that international squad for a couple of years. Awful <laughs> craziness to me, absolute craziness. His lineout throwing was awful. Yeah, I would love you and Lisi get that start. Uh, to me, that made the most sense. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, 
we might we might see that Ulysses comes in when the the real team sheet comes out, and we might even see that Liam Wright comes into the start. If those two happen, I'm going to be a lot happier. That's it. Yeah, uh, I think it, it is interesting for Lafinger just getting the chops straight away. I mean, I think look, he certainly wasn't good last week, but I still think he's our best hooker. Um, despite Jordan Ulysses playing very well, I think we all agreed that we would start Jordan Ulysses this week probably. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm surprised by Falafingers just being straight dropped if he is. So we'll see. I'm not. I, honestly, I'm not. And I, I probably, you know, I, I probably do the same thing. Mate, go go work on your, your basics. You're a hooker. You've been an international hooker for a while now. If you can't throw it straight to your number two jumper, you can go away and come back when you can throw it straight to your number two jumper. Yeah, if, if there's another option that can throw straight, but there isn't. So, like, to, to, to me, I, that one position... Mm. reeks of me to this is a jumping the gun on a league team. You know, I, I assume the way they've gotten it is by watching training or something like that and recording down the A and B side or something along those lines. Like that's, that's a I think, big call BPA straight to start. Yeah. I think if we think about it, uh, Ulysses probably our best defensive hooker and probably strongest over the ball. Uh, for Laufinger, I'd have to say is our strongest ball runner and most skillful hooker uh, for mine. Uh, and BPA is probably just the best at scoring try. Like, you know, sniffing out in tries. Time. I mean, I mean, it'd be for our finger, obviously, is no stranger to tries. But um, BPA just when he gets close to the, the a lot of pick and drive tries. Look, he, he definitely adds a few things. Uh, I think you know the most all round kind of hooker that could fill that void is is Ulysses. He is very physical in defence. Um, I think he's probably got a better throw than the other two. I, I think Brendan Poynger most potentially has the worst throw of all three of them. Yeah. Um, let's let's see how they go. Let's, let's give him a crack. I think on, the rest of that forward pack. I was just gonna say I'm rounding out. I think I think Ulysses, I would start him for sure because I think we need to lift the physicality again. You know what I mean? We did get under their skin, we did win that last week. Yeah. Let's lift it again, just force them back. Yeah, that's I, I do like that. But yeah, look, we've got Matt Phillip, Lucan Salakalata staying in the locks with Taniela Tupo and Slipper. Um, that's all the changes. So we've got uh Liam Wright onto the bench, we've got Geordie Patea onto the bench as well. Cool. Excellent. Harry, do you want to take us through New Zealand? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I already mentioned the Richie Moonga and Bodie Barrett uh, expectation. So 10 and 15 <clears> for me. I think they'll, they'll revert to type there. Um, Caleb Clark should be the lucky man to get a start on the wing. Uh, I don't think they would have picked him above Sebu Reese if they didn't trust him to play a lot of minutes if he was needed. So to me, he's the most logical option. The other outside back options that could be filling in for George Bridge would be Will Jordan, who was originally going to be released to play Mitre 10 Cup. So to me, that says he's at the bottom of the pecking order, but he has been called to stay in camp. Um, so I think it's unlikely that it's him. And the other one is uh, is, is probably, like I said, Sever Reese or maybe even DMAC, but I think that's a bit of a stretch then. So, yeah, I, I think Caleb Clark, Sever Reese are your two chances and that'll push DMAC back to the bench as the utility. Um, Nani Lamape is another one that everyone's talking about. You know, he's fit again, can play number 12. Their centers probably, uh, they weren't bad, but they probably didn't have the impact that they needed. And, and the New Zealand team lacked a bit of punch. I don't feel that you can play Nani Lamape and Rico Yuane in the same team. Um, and I don't think they'll drop Rico just based off of that misreading defense and off that drop, tap, drop try. So I think Rico will start again, which means you'll probably get no change, changes in the centres. Uh, if anything, maybe ALB gets a run, but they'll be they'll be hesitant, surely, 
to uh, make too many changes after they looked a little bit in, in, in uh, lacking a bit of cohesion as it was. Mm. What do you guys yeah. think? I don't think that they're going to rush those changes in, in positions like that in the centres. Um, I, I don't think it would be out of the world to see Anton Lindebrell come into that side, but I, I don't think they're going to want to throw a spanner in the works by dropping Rico. And really, I think potentially that he could be a fragile person in terms of mentality in that situation that he's been wanting for so long to play in the centres to finally get that chance and you drop him and give him a vote of no confidence after one week when he looks so dangerous with the ball in hand. I, I think that would be quite a negative thing to do for a coach. So I don't expect that there to be too many changes there. I think um, I agree. I, I, I would don't see them changing the centres. Um, yeah, I don't see that happening. But I think, interestingly, DMAC, perhaps he, he gets dropped out of the 23 altogether. If they do have Richie at 10 and Bowden at 15, I think so. then one of them is most likely, if they bring anyone off, Richie goes off, Bowden goes to 10 at the end of the game. And yeah. if they do that, that kind of opens up the ability to um, change, play around with the bench a little bit. So whilst I don't think... I, I would, they could possibly put Nani Lamape there, bring on some firepower for the end of the game. Uh, but I don't see them really doing that because ALB is just too good on the bench because he can cover 12, 13, and he's just consistent. But I think it could afford them the opportunity for someone like Will Jordan. So uh, the reason I say that is Damian McKenzie's never played wing for the All Blacks, I don't believe, only no. 10 and 15. Whereas Will Jordan is definitely <clears throat> a very good choice at winger and fullback. So they could bring him, put Bowden into 10, bring Will Jordan on at either wing or fullback, or Jordy could play wing or fullback. Um, just some interesting possibilities there. But we could see D-Mac drop out altogether. Considering yeah, Jordy Barrett's on one wing and can slide into fullback, you don't think they'll pick Sevu Reese above him and then have the ability to take Caleb Clark off a bit early for someone with a bit of experience? That's no, that's a very good point. I think I think you're right. I think Sevu Reese, I mean, look, all the success, he was pro- the, probably the best winger in the world last year. Um, you'd have to think they could bring him on and um, Bodie into 10, slide Jordy back to 15. Yeah. It's a pretty scary buddy team. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's the way we're going to see it, to be fair. I think we're going to see Geordie on the bench with some specialist wingers um, with with, um, Bodie at fullback. It would be great to see someone like Havili or Will Jordan get a crack on the bench, but I I just don't think they'll have another person that can cover 15 as their main role. Havili, I don't. Havili's not even in camp, is he? He's um, he was playing. He played for the Marco with that extended camp. I'm pretty sure. Sorry, I missed him. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, geez, I hope they don't pick him, to be honest. <laughs> All right, moving on. The uh, the last one we, we mentioned before is what happens if Sam White locks out. My gut feeling is he'll be there, considering that he only developed concussion symptoms the next day. Um, but, you know, that's that's a, that's definitely not a guarantee. Uh, to provide, I, I just don't feel like they could start him. I feel like you, go, you chuck Scott Barrett out there, you get 30 or 40 minutes out of him or maybe 45 minutes out of him, and then you pull him. And if he gets injured, he gets injured early, and then Tupavai has to play the big minutes. Mm. Yeah, I agree. What, what what could be the the worst possible news? Won't happen, but worst possible news: the, the, the headlines say, "And the All Blacks bring back Brody Retallick into the All Blacks this week." <laughs> Throw him straight into start. Uh, <laughs> for... Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be happy. No. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I, I'd be surprised if they throw Scott Barrett straight into start. Um, they seem to have a lot of confidence in Tupavai and. You know, I really liked him when I first saw him, but he hasn't shown a whole lot yet. Um, so we'll see how that play, plays out. In terms of uh, areas that teams can improve on, we'll do Wallabies first. To me, it's the Ruck, which has really been picked up by uh, by Dave Rennie post com- in their post game conference. Mm-hmm. The scrum and the lineout. What do you think will happen there, guys? Um, yeah, look, I agree. I think uh, 
the, 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 as you said, the selection changes in the back row will speak volumes on exactly what the game plan is. Um, we were talking earlier about how much did Pete Samu actually get up to on the, on the weekend and look, it's a case of um, if he didn't actually do all other than make his tackles, getting someone in that is bigger like Hannigan or Wright um, who aren't necessarily as good offensively to just make their tackles and be stronger in the line out. Uh, that makes sense to me, but particularly stronger in the ruck area, you know, someone like, I'm not going to say Ned Hannigan's strong in the ruck, but Liam Wright, for example, fantastic in, in that's his bread and butter. But um, yeah, look, we, we'd all prefer Pete Samu there over Hannigan, but Hannigan can, Hannigan can do and offer what Pete Samu did last weekend for me. You know, he made 10, 10 11 tackles. Hannigan can do that. You know, oh, I don't <laughs> think it's a huge ask. He didn't do that much with ball in hand. Um, he adds some depth to that that line out another option. So, look, we're, we're very harsh on him. But in terms of how Samu played last week, not how good we know he could be, I think Hannigan can do that role. Plus, you know, shore up that line out. And look, I thought I was going to go away and watch uh, rewatch the game to <clears throat> really get into what happened in the scrums. But um, I haven't had a chance to do that. So, I'm not sure. But that's certainly something that I want to work on as well. So, I don't know if it's just... Um, tightening up and just being a bit more conservative. But Tupo, obviously, that's something he'll really want to correct. So um, I, I'm, not, I'm not as worried about the scrums. I think they'll figure that out. But the line out, I am worried about them getting that right. Um, and the oh, rucks, yeah, think... for, me, for me, the rucks were just as simple. They were stupid ruck mistakes. They were just cleaning out past the ball, going off your feet. It's just, you know, those are very correctable mistakes. Well, yeah, I think the line out, it's disappointing to know that a large portion, like portion of that could be the fact those guys haven't played together. So to not see them really have that crack again together is not going to help, you know, develop that in the future. I think throw a few new guys in there. I don't know if that's going to shore everything up, but I guess we'll see. For mine, I'll just do some really quick lineouts. You know what I mean? Just get the ball in as quick as possible. Let's set it up. If Falao Fringer's not on, we don't need to try go for the driving mall tries. It's all good. Um, you know, just get the ball out and let the boys play. So, yeah. Um, any any other points on where we can improve, guys, or we'll move on to the All Blacks? To, to be honest, I think they they keep it simple. They haven't been together that long. I think they make sure they do that. They get their defence right, and they just work on one or two things. And it's probably the line out in the ruck. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. For mine, I just they just have to, like I said, increase the physicality. Just yeah. win that again, and they're going to be put themselves in a good position to win. Yeah. Yeah. But the All Blacks, I think they know, know now what the Wallabies are going to throw at them, right? So I think the first thing for me was field position and possession. They were awful last week, despite dominating set piece, which just seems crazy to me, and penalties. Um, so I, I feel like maybe the biggest reason for that was just how bad they were in that middle 50 mid, in the middle 50 meters. The Wallabies had a field day with their box kicks off Nick White, and they just made so much field position actually getting the ball back. And I think that was probably a big part of why the field position was as heavily weighted as it was. Um, I, I don't see if D-Mac's there, ha- him having another bad game. He's normally very good under the high ball, not in w- Windy Wellington, Windy Wellington as well. So obviously that makes life a lot easier as well. So I think that's one area that they'll obviously improve and give those All Blacks a, a, a bit more field position and they're, they're very, very dangerous. Yep. yep. Nelson, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Uh... Look, I think Harry touched on, on most of it for me. I, I, I do think the, the Bowden slipping into 15 gives them a whole lot better, you know, option in terms of, you know, two 
very, very good world-class ball players. You know, and I think it gives them a few more options. D-Mac hasn't been himself. Um, and, and in that, you know, he's not sucking in defenders the same. He's not creating that space. We all know if Bowden Barrett's on the field, he will just, he'll do one or two things a game that no one else in the world can do. And most of the time, they'll score points off that. So, I agree. Yeah. Exactly. I think we talked about off-air afterwards just how um, Ian Foster, you know, perhaps shooting himself in the foot a little bit just uh, in some uh, pre pre Bledisloe uh, interviews, just talking about how Geordie Barrett was probably the form fullback in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, then why they, they said, well, then why haven't you picked him? Uh, and it was like, oh. And he also said that he sees Bowden Barrett as a 10 and Bowden has made it very clear he wants to play 10. But um, look, no, I think you're right. It doesn't matter where Bowden is on the field. He'll, he, make, he makes a difference. He finds a yeah. way. Um, but yeah, I think, Harry, you've highlighted the biggest question is how, how are they going to be better at dealing with the rush defence? Um, how, how, how do they, I guess, counter that, really? Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting as well. You know, I, I think numerous occasions, we touched on it earlier this week, but numerous occasions, they got quite lucky, you know, um, stealing the ball and, and getting penalties in, in those rucks. And I don't think, you know, a second week in a row that you're going to be as likely with the same referees to be able to get away with that again. I feel like, you know, more than likely after what happened on the weekend, those refs would have sat together. You know, they're all staying in New Zealand, all working as a team again, and watch that game and seeing what they, they could have improved on. And I don't think it's going to come from, you know, Plumtree going, this is what the refs missed. I think it's going to be them watching it from different angles and seeing, go, hang on, they got away with three or four penalties where they didn't have a clear release, where they were off their feet or different things like that. So I think, you know, they might be a little bit more vigilant around that breakdown. And maybe that's something that could work in, in the Wallabies' favour. Yeah, and, and just touching on where the All Blacks can improve as well, I think that to get around that rush shooting defence when the Wallabies are sending them out, I feel like having Bodie there as a man that they can just pick past the eject button to when he can use yeah. his footwork and his speed to get away <clears> from the next line of defence is a massive plus for them. And on top of that, I just I just think we'll probably see them play a little bit more out the back, you know, run those blockers through or run that little rap ball that they love playing and yep. uh, and just try and give Caleb Clark, Severu Reese, Geordie Barrett, whoever it is, a little bit of time and space and, uh, and they're just so dangerous from that. So I, I think the, uh, that, and then my, my last point would be, historically over the last couple of years, I think New Zealand's answer to the rush defence has been their short kicking game. So maybe we see a lot more kicks from, uh, from Richie or Bodie um, yeah. to try and counter that as well. I think that's, that's huge, just um, yeah. the second option for Richie. So Richie had a lot of his time cut down last week, but being able to throw you know e- either way or a little bit deeper to Bowden and he gets that extra second or two for those to make a decision, that's that's going to be huge. I think it'll be interesting. They're, they're such a smart setup. I think, you know, Rennie's going to understand that, you know, they're going to have answers to that rush defence. You know, you, you can't send um, Paisami out from 13 to hit Moanga again this week. I honestly just don't think you can. Um, unless you're hitting him as he's getting that ball, if there's any time when he's got Bodie behind them, you're much more likely to get caught out now that they know it's coming. So I think the All Blacks are going to be all over that. So if the Wallabies don't change that up, that I mean, the, the All Blacks are going to probably capitalise on that. Yeah, I think I think just the last point I'm rounding out, Harry touched on it, going wide, but I think, yeah, they'll be they'll be really looking to get the ball into both Caleb Clark and um, Sevu Reese. And 
Caleb Clark, I mean, how destructive have the Blues been down that left wing? You know, we talked about didn't matter if it was Caleb Clark or Mark Talea. The, um, the stats for those guys on that left wing had been freaky, but Caleb Clark, wowzers. This is going to be a huge test for Filippo Dangunu. To, uh, I swear, I swear um, he, Clark's put on 20 kgs. <laughs> That's it. Um, all right, well, very good. Let's, uh, let's round out this short pod, this very brief pod that seems to always uh, blow out um, with a few listener questions. <clears throat> so um, I think we had just tweeted out probably a couple of hours ago, so heaps of notice from us. Um, but uh, got a few listener questions in on either Twitter or YouTube. So that's at Draft Rugby. Give us a follow on both of those. Um, and our first question was from Lachlan Fremantle. And uh, he's asked, where is Rory Arnold at with his injury? And um, who replaces Rob Simmons on the bench this weekend when he is inevitably dropped? Well, Lockie, first of all, I would love Rob Simmons to be dropped. <clears> I, have, <throat> I mean, from the planet would be great. Uh, not just... Um, Ned, you know, Ned Hannigan just got picked, mate. Rob Simmons isn't getting dropped. <laughs> I know. It's, it's uh, very worrying indeed. But um, do we know, Rory Arnold, where he's at with his injury? So um, the yeah, last... He, he fractured his arm about two and a half weeks ago now. Uh, fractured his hand. So... The ba- basically, you'd expect it's a six-week injury with something like that. So he's probably still three or four weeks away, and you know he would still be over in over in France as well. Um, so he's not actually been released until the international window officially starts, which I think is the start of November from memory. So I guess we're probably going to see him two or three weeks into the rugby championship if it goes ahead, and if they decide to bring in an injured player. And if we allow uh, anyone to fly from France into Australia, to be honest, they seem like they're all getting bloody coronavirus again. Um, but uh, we'll, well, we'll make a special the, exemption for Will Skelton. Yeah. I'll personally go fly and pick him up if um, he's available. But um, the, the hot tip and the, the news that looks like it's just been released is that the Springboks are out of the rugby championship. So we're going to be facing a, a shorter, you know, four-match um, rugby champs. So it means we're probably not going to see someone like Arnold rushed in. Well, I think what's that on topic two now? Yeah, huge. But breaking news. No, I like it. Um, I think what we should do then is, if Wallabies haven't won the Bledisloe yet, we'll just replace those games uh, that South Africa was meant to play with extra Bledisloes uh, just to give us more chances to win. Um, does that sound good? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. That's All right. Uh, five. That's a seven. Nah, best seven, guys. That's seven? That's a nine. NBA playoffs? Um, no, all right. Anyway, and the last, uh, look, the last, uh, another listener question we had was from at Ballymore Rat, um, keen follower uh, and some great bands. He said, what, what's stopping the Wallabies from performing a pre-game Indigenous dance? Uh, it would be epic to face off against the Haka. Uh, keep up the great work, gents. Love some feedback. Only positive feedback, though, please. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've... Probably- uh, so it'd probably be good, you know, to, to have someone with a bit of a, I suppose, an uh, Indigenous perspective answer this question. Uh, I know for, from my sort of readings into it, um, you know, the, the Maori um, were quite a warring, you know, tribes, like tribes always fighting. So they used huckers regularly, whereas the Aboriginal people had been in Australia for so much longer, had so much more land that, you know, it wasn't a typical thing to necessarily have a war dance. Uh, rugby leagues brought in, you know, the the indigenous sort of war dances beforehand. Um, talking to a few people I know with indigenous history, it sounds more like that's a little bit fabricated and not necessarily completely based on tradition. Uh, I'd be happy to be proven wrong if that's true. Um, 
I do think there's something there that can be done. Um, I don't think it's necessarily something to compete with the hucker. But I think it would be a great thing to see maybe done in Australia. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, it helps if we have, you know, a single wallaby with Aboriginal heritage as well. The fact that they're they're not a massive part of our our game at the moment is really disappointing and it probably doesn't lend itself to us being looked at positively to perform something like that. So, you know, whatever we do, it would have to be very respectful to the Aboriginal people as well. And like Nelson said, I think we we probably need an Aboriginal perspective on that would have been a good one for us to uh, to organise in advance maybe. But um, um, you don't want to offend anyone either. Yeah, in recent years when we've done the, the welcome to country and things like that, you know, prior to the um, the Hucker and team songs and uh, national songs, mm-hmm. I think that's been really, really good to see. Um, and it's its own flavour, you know, it's not trying to do what New Zealand do. It's trying to work from our own culture and, and how Australia works. I like that. Yeah, I agree. And look, um, spoiler to our long-time podcast listeners, if you are not watching uh, the video that's up on YouTube, please go get after it. But um, if you are watching the video, you would know that uh, we are three of the whitest guys uh, <laughs> in Australia. So we are not really qualified to comment, but um, I think it's something they certainly looked at, particularly Curly Beal really, um, you know, made a lot of effort to um, get, get something like that involved. I think there was a test in, uh, in Suncorp where they did, uh, I mean, the Wallabies didn't do it, but they did have um, yeah. an Aboriginal kind of uh, war dance, if you will. Um, and it was great. And I think we all love the um, the Indigenous jerseys. We think those are fantastic and that, you know, that they really should be a fixture, like worn at least once, you know, every um, game. I mean, I, personally, I would love them to wear them every game. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, look, I think, I think it's just difficult to bring something in um, that you haven't been doing for a long time as well. You know, like, obviously, the yeah. Pacific, Island, Pacific Island nations and the Kiwis have been doing this for a long time. I think... It's very difficult to bring something in and, you know, other countries will suddenly be like, oh, I want to bring something in. Um, it is one yeah. of those weird scenarios where when you're in another country, particularly in a World Cup, you just have to stand there and face the, um, the hucker. It's, you, you feel like uh, you're being put on the back foot from the beginning. But um, Yeah, you, just, you don't want to feel um, disingenuous as well. I think if Australia can, you know, start how they have, you know, welcome to country, their Indigenous jersey, you know, work to, to try and get some Indigenous people involved in the game a little bit more. Then you've got people in the game with that voice as well that can help, you know, shape how they want that to be shaped in the future. That's great. And I think the last comment I'll make is I think they did say that last weekend the Wallabies did stand in, uh, look, they sometimes call it the Flying V, but someone said this weekend the Boomerang for formation. So uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll like just that. toss that out there. But The uh, other one I think quickly we should bring back is Waltz in Matilda. Just play Waltz yeah, in the theatre in Australia and have all the fans sing it, all the fans sing it. That's yeah. it. Just everyone sneak some speakers into any Aussies that are in Auckland attending this match. Just you know, sneak <laughs> some speakers in, in both your pant legs and um, just uh, blast that out, you know. So sync them all up somehow. We'll make it happen. But, um, Definitely fantastic. don't do it during the haka unless you want to be decked. Probably, probably <laughs> not. Yeah, <that's>, uh, <laughs> careful right. choosing. Look, that was a great one. Um, that's our preview for Bledisloe 2. Uh, huge Aussies victory. Hmm? Surely you're right here. Oh, well, I, sorry. No, that's a very good point. We can't leave it at that. All right, well, Nelson, since you brought it up, uh, what do you tip the score to be, Nelson? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Harry should go first in this because he was about to answer and you threw me under the bus. Yeah, well, look, I, huh? you, you, you go with the cards you've been dealt, mate. I, I'm going to say I think it's going to be a little bit more of a win to New Zealand 
uh, if Hannigan's playing. Uh, it's going to be, if Hannigan's playing, I'm going to say All Blacks by eight. If Hannigan's not starting, I'm going to say the Wallabies by two. Break the hoodoo uh, and let's get this done, boys. Wow. Harrison. Do you want my head answer or my heart answer? My head answer is Dillons by 12. My heart answer is Wallabies by 8. Wow, 8. How, See, how big? And this is how you know that they're not, not both true Wallabies fans, mate. Wallabies by 5. There's no heart or head, mate. That's just what it's going to be. I, I have gone through phases through this week, but I, I think... In recent memory, this is the best chance we've got at Eden Park. Yeah. And there's not been much time to change stuff. So I'm, I'm keen to see how they go. Let's go, Wallabies. Go, Wallabies. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next week.